Dig the latrine! Build a place to poop! Today is Thursday, November 11th, 2021. Time for episode 159 of the Barnhart Podcast. It's a new episode and I have a new voice because, well... That's why we delayed a few days. I'm trying to get over a chest cold or something. But it is also in the United States uh, Veterans Day. Also, and like I mentioned, the it's appropriate because it's the feast of St. Martin of Tours, who was a Roman soldier as well. Uh, but yeah, Veterans Day. So to everyone who served in the military and as well, everyone who served in the Navy and the Air Force, uh, happy feast day or holiday. Happy holiday. I kind of it's it's almost kind of strange these days that um you kind of feel awkward saying it to a lot of people because at this point it's a horrible thing to say but a lot of people who have served or are currently in are looking at the whole situation and um we've been joking about this joking in a in a kind of a bittersweet macabre um gallows humor sort of a way but joking about the um that um that sketch, that British comedy sketch that we've talked about and posted before, where it's it's Germans in the in the foxhole asking each other if they're the baddies, if they're the bad guys, and it's it's kind of a bittersweet thing to even bring it up anymore, um, uh, because there are so many people who are who are frankly ashamed of of what the United States is, what it's become. Um, and, you know, questioning what their entire involvement with the United States military is or has been, which is just a it, horrible, horrible place to be. And um, we have, so Super Nerd, you're, you're a Navy man, and we also have with us today Dr. Beep, who was Air Force. So Dr. Beep, ha- happy Veterans Day. What are your thoughts today about, about the entire <laughs> holiday? You know, it... it- in all seriousness, you know, we have to kind of remember the, the people, good, bad, and ugly, the, the just and the unjust wars. Um, you know, everybody that signs up does it, well, not everybody, but I, I assume that a lot of people that sign up to, to join the military do it with the best of intentions. And yeah, we've been lied to a lot. We've, we've bought a lot of lies when we've um, been subject to a lot of propaganda. But I do think that the scales are coming off people's eyes and we're all really starting to see, you know, what, what I think this Afghanistan debacle was a huge thing to help people open their eyes. You know, it's like, you know, I saw my friends die. I've seen people get blown up. I've seen all this death and destruction. And then at the end of the day, what what is it really for? You know, is it is it really looking at what, what the military is right now? Is it really to bring sodomy and transgender three-year-olds to the world like is that what quote-unquote making the world safe for democracy meant all along um it's rather discouraging but yeah that's kind of where i'm at yeah i'm not i don't walk around with a i'm a veteran shirt uh to say the least yeah i think i think there's a lot of people right there with you and with each passing year it gets it gets harder and harder and harder for people, and um, we're and we're seeing that, and we've been seeing that with the um, mental illness and suicide rates. That just clearly something has been horrifically, horrifically wrong for quite some time um, with the United States military. 
in the broad sense of its mission and what's been going on and and what people and what veterans have seen and done that is that is driving so many people into into mental illness and suicidal ideation far more than what was seen you know after the horrors and the combat of world war 1 world war 2 korea Vietnam, even even to a certain extent, Vietnam, certainly there was mental illness from with a lot of Vietnam vets, but we didn't we didn't see this. It's not it's not normal, I don't think, to see the levels of mental illness in terms of suicidal ideation in terms of war veterans that that we see today within the United States military. Something's wrong. Men were able to go off to war and fight and fight in ways that were certainly, you know, more bloody and and potentially traumatic. Um, you know, you don't even want to think about what war was like even before the advent of, of firearms, when people were just hacking each other to death with swords. Um, men went off and fought and it was a very normal thing and a huge proportion of the male population at some point had some sort of engagement with hardcore combat and they'd come home and they'd get back to living and you know their lives would go on and they wouldn't be they wouldn't be hanging themselves you know um something is terribly wrong right now go ahead absolutely well it just it's a systemic thing throughout our entire sick demented uh degenerate society i mean those men could come back to a, a an orderly culture and a society that supported them. Yeah. They could come back and find a wife if they didn't have one already. They had community. They had support. You know, the average, let's you know, the average young man, eighteen years old, who joins the Marine Corps or the Army, who wants to go and serve his country and fight, that patriotic, masculine kind of man, goes and his. Anymore, I mean, he's going to go serve on the USS Harvey Milk. His superior officer is going to be some uh, six foot five, uh, 310 pound uh, woman, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I've kind of expressed before, it's all, none of it works. You know, he's not going to be trained to do his job well. His, most of his time is going to be spent learning about how he's bad because he's a white guy or he's a man. Uh, yeah. And then they're going to go to war and there's going to be horrible accidents. You know, the ship's going to run aground or something because no one knows how to do their job. There's no chain of command because, uh, you know, the highest ranking person on that boat is the person with the most disability points. You know, the the black female tranny, uh, you know, amputee with autism is 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 they can be an E1 and they're yep. they're actually in charge of the boat because everyone's afraid to tell yep. them, hey, you're out of regs on your uniform. No one's going to tell them anything. They get to do whatever they want. So there's there's no chain of command. There's no order. You don't get to be proud to do whatever you're doing. Whatever job you're you're doing, you can't be proud of it because you know that you're not doing it as well as you should be. Mm-hmm. And then you come home to a society that is utterly broken. Um, yeah, it's it's really no surprise uh, to me that this has all happened. We've we're just a completely demoralized force at this point. Um, and all the technology in the world isn't going to fix it. That's right. And it's interesting you brought up the point about who the most powerful, who the, who the po- most powerful person in the chain of command is. There's a direct analog to this 
in the the business world, in the corporate world. I've been saying this for years. The, if you want to know who the most powerful person is, if you want to know who's in charge, just look around and ask yourself, who is the person in this office that cannot be fired? And you know what? A lot of times the answer to that question is the receptionist, the secretary, yep. the human resources hag, you know, what, whatever. It's, it's someone who's way, way, way down, who has no business being in charge of anything, um, who's a train wreck, who is intellectually incompetent, et cetera, et cetera, or whatever. But that's the person who can't be fired. And if that's, if, if, that is the situation that is the person who is in charge and this is again i think this is something that a lot of people are coming to grips with in terms of the the just the catastrophic failure cultural failure not it's it's in the military it's also in the private business sector as well um the boss isn't in charge the boss isn't the boss the um the the secretary who is willing to throw fits and sue with the drop of a hat and et cetera, et cetera. That's who's running the show right there. Absolutely. So it's, I mean, it's everywhere. The, the average Colonel, I would say, and I don't want to cast dispersions because I've worked with some decent, decent leadership in the military, but for the most part, they're pretty garbagey. They're kind of yeah. like the, if you've ever watched the office, the typical Colonel and above is kind of a Michael Scott out of touch, middle-aged, you know, He's going to be the the almost boomer aged guy who's like on TikTok and trying to learn the dances because he wants yeah. to be cool, and he's terrified of a sexual assault claim anywhere in his chain of command derailing his retirement plans. There's no there's no like testosterone left. No. Uh, years ago, when I was in ROTC, there were these old grizzled, you know upper enlisted guys and these older officers that had been to war and, you know, they, they got a jaw the size of a Ford F-150 and they're, <laughs> you know, and they're spitting jaw and they're, these guys were intimidating and they were inspiring and you'd be like, hey, I'm following that guy into war. Yeah. Those guys aren't around anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing to inspire. I mean, I, I can, you know, when I was, when I was deployed, uh, at one point I was deployed with the with the Ranger Regiment, not not a, a, as part of them, but alongside them. And when I would fly with those guys, when I'd go on missions with those guys, I felt strong. I felt like courageous, and I and I had this feeling: if I die doing this, my name will be chiseled chiseled on a rock somewhere next to these guys, and it and that's okay. Yeah. But if you look left and right, and half the force, like you said, are these, you know, intellectually disabled. Uh, people and mentally ill trannies and uh, your commanding officer is uh, a shrill something mm -hmm. yeah you're it's a dysfunctional military and I just pray that our government doesn't get its wish and I pray that we don't go to war with China or anybody else for that matter we, we would lose to to Canada at this point yeah yeah and I would hasten to remind the listenership that I mean, think about the timeline here. Military careers are what thirty years at the at the top end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most guys are getting punching out at twenty, right, uh, with their benefits. But yeah, thirties is as far as you go. Kids, uh, we're we're coming right up on the thirtieth anniversary of the beginning of the Bill and Hillary Clinton administration, and that is when the full on attack and purging 
of the United States military began. There's there's nobody left because of the just because of the attrition of time. There's nobody left who hasn't been under this regime of full on war against masculinity, competence, and the ability to break things and kill people in the United States military across the board. So we're coming up on that 30 years and there, it's just not possible for there to be anyone left, especially, I mean, and the higher you go, the worse it is. I mean, you're, you were talking about colonels being Michael Scott's. Um, we don't even wanna talk about the flag officers. I mean, that's just, that's just that's been degenerate for a very long time because i don't a lot of the listenership know this but some of them might not in order to become a general or an admiral you have to get a congressional sponsor and then be approved by congress so what that by definition means is that you become a full-blown politician washington dc politician in order to become a flag officer in the United States military. Unless you have distinguished yourself in some spectacular manner. But well, that, that and really when was the last time that happened? It, it's, and, been a, it's been a while, but to your point about 30 years since uh, the, the beginning of the Clinton regime, I would say that, that there was a brief reprise and to the degree that we can say anything really good came from 9-11 is mm. that there was a, a genuine um, swell of patriotism and people joining the military and not just for the sake of, of getting a GI Bill, but they were going for the arduous stuff. I mean, Pat Tillman, for example, walked away from yeah. how many millions of dollars to go serve the country because he, that was the right thing to do. And yeah. a, a lot of people fought and died uh, and, and gave excellent example, which you know I would say is still living on, but probably isn't outside of uh, a few select tier one units. But I don't know what they're going to do now. Actually, I'm talking about tier one. And we need to, to transition this over to... Uh, the malfunction and not not in the military. That's not really the focus. It's, it's we're getting back over to healthcare. But talk about the slicing and dicing of the of the units that still have some um, some masculinity and some bravado to them. I saw recently that about a quarter of the Navy SEALs uh, are going to be kicked out for refusing to take the jab. Yep. You know, to however few there were who joined and are, are legitimately manly and and have courage and all the 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 virtues of fighting men, they're being driven out now. Yeah, of everything. It's it's just d death to masculinity, death to, death to independent thought, death to virtue, death to virtue, you know? Yeah, 100% and just wrapping up on the military idea, um, we'd be better off at this point if we would go back to that, what seems so strange to our modern sensibilities, that that kind of civil war um, mindset and situation, wherein you know guys in their twenties were being field promoted to general, you know, um, we we would be better off with with that kind of a situation. I've said the same thing about the church too, when all of this crap in the church. Um, when it all shakes out and whatever happens, happens, I can promise you that there are going to be guys, uh, young priests who are in their late 20s and early 30s, who are going to have to be elevated and be made bishops. Because there's just, there's nobody left in the age cohort of the traditional, well, it has to be an older experienced man. Well, yes, they're highly experienced, but bathhouse experience doesn't count. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm sure it's the same in the military as it is maybe in the church, too. A lot of these guys that end up as flag officers, they and their handlers and, and the people around them that got them into West Point or into the Air Force Academy, they knew they were going to be a general unless they screwed up and offended the yeah. E1 secretary, you know, somehow. Yep. They were going to be a general. They've been groomed all along. Yep. I yep. know a lot of guys that you look at, you work with them, you're like, dude, this guy needs to be in charge. What a what a BA. And he gets out as a major. Yeah. Because he just can't take it. He can't take the bureaucracy. He's not a politician. He goes to the parties and says some crude joke in front of some general's wife, and it's all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the guy you want leading the charge in battle, but that's not yeah. who you get. Yep. So and it is it I'm is sure exactly the same, same in the church. church. The, yeah. the North American College in Rome where, you know, they send the they send the American and the and the Canadian and the Australian, but it's mostly Americans. The North American College in Rome is a bishop factory. Those guys yeah. know going in that if you've been tapped by your bishop and you've been sent to Rome to study at the NAC, that you are you're on the bishop track. And you know, and of course, half of them are gay, as we're you know learning, and and the whole thing has been has been the rector's been gay, and the whole thing's been run by gays, and Teddy McCarrick and and Donna Worrell have been going there and using it as just basically you know party time cruising cruising grounds. Yeah. And they're yeah, not it's even all the same. They're not even good at their job. They're not inspiring. They don't bring anyone to the church. No. You know, you read about the early church. There'd be some twenty-five-year-old, you know, like Saint Martin. You know, some some young dude, yeah, uh, who converts to Christianity, and next thing you know, he's he's a canonized saint. Or you know, they're the the apostles are walking through somewhere, and some guy's like really gifted in in uh, spiritual gifts. He's twenty-five years old. Next thing you know, he's the bishop. A week after he's converted, and because he's just such a like yeah. a force of nature, that we don't have that kind of leadership path in society mm. anymore. The the, yeah. the 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 truly masculine man who stands up and can lead men, he's going to be shut down immediately. Well, and the issue that one of the key problems is, or one of the benefits, the problems that we have, and the benefits that they had back in the day. A a young man was basically a man when he was about 15 or 16 years old. So when you've got a 25-year-old man back in the day, he's been a a functioning adult, adult man for a decade when he's 25. And now, I mean, I don't need to go off on the, on the effeminate, you know, man child situation that we have in our culture where you've got you've got guys who are 40, 45 years old who can't hold down a job, whose entire pursuit in life is to, you know, uh, do world record speed runs of whatever their favorite video game is right now or whatever. I mean, it's and these are these are adult men. Many of them are married and had children. Um you know, the old, <laughs> our old rant, Dr. Beep of, you know, men, just obese, disgusting men who couldn't, who couldn't run a mile to save their life. They literally have a heart attack and fall down and die, but just can't get enough of sitting in front of a television and watching other men run up and down a field or a court and behave in some sort of a masculine way. And just the whole masculinity being a spectator sport. And it's only something that you do vicariously through 
you know, people on the, uh, people on the television, you know, it's, um, it's, it's sick all the way around and, and we're going to eat it. And yes, I, I am absolutely mystified with each passing day. What, what exactly is it that China's waiting for? What is China waiting for with regards to Taiwan? Nobody is going to do anything if China moves on Taiwan and everyone knows it. And then beyond that, the next inevitable question comes, what's China waiting for with regards to Hawaii? What's, what's China waiting for with regards to, you know, the Pacific coast of North America? Um, uh, that, that question just becomes ever more, ever more stark and put into, into greater relief with each passing day as it becomes clear, clearer and clearer that they, we will not resist them and we can't resist them. No. Yeah. They probably don't want the responsibility of taking care of all these man-child people. Yeah. They're probably thinking, man, I just really, we were really counting on COVID to wipe out more of them. Yeah. Uh, and now, now we're going to have to just go hot war and just really kill these people, which is not going to look good to everyone else that we're trying to be friends with. We don't want to have to try and feed these people and keep them entertained. So we're, let's just continue to let the... Yeah the establishment in America continue to take care of things. We'll extract wealth. They won't care because the game is still on. Uh, and we won't have to step foot on America, American soil at all. We wouldn't want our men to be there anyway. They'll become effeminate and pathetic, just like the locals. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's stay in China. <laughs> let's stay away from the disease. We can control things here. Let's extract wealth, which I think is exactly what they're going to go for. I, I think that this last quote-unquote election, I think it was basically a transfer of power from the old WASP and and uh, New York Jewish establishment, because they're all degenerate now, too. Mm-hmm. They've Those guys have passed the torch on to their effeminate, pathetic, loser sons and daughters, and they're not, they're not going to handle... Uh, this empire that they yeah the, their son their sons are Hunter Biden so <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. exactly so yeah I think we're under new management I think that this is um you know just the way that they've handled all of this it's just like none of this makes any sense if they're trying to be popular for their own yeah. sake uh, and the the Chinese don't care if we're demoralized they don't care if we have no faith in the system yeah. Um, well, so is it Sun Tzu or Napoleon or both that said, when your enemy is killing himself, don't get in his way. Let it, let yeah. him keep going. Yeah. Yeah. If your enemy is so, making a mistake, don't don't interrupt. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, so. one of the big mistakes we're making right now is everything that's going on with regard to COVID and 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 all of the stupidity around that. And I know that was really the main topic that we wanted to talk about tonight. And, and this has been a pretty fun topic that I, I'm, I kind of brought yeah, can, up by accident. I can rant about. forever. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so uh, not notwithstanding the intro, talking about uh, the state of the military and, and everything else. Uh, and I know we wanted to talk about um, more medical topics. And I know that uh, Nurse Claire is on deck. She's got a full. Nurse Claire uh, is, is on board. Yes. One note of, of, of yes. notes ready to go as well. All right. So where do we start? Nurse Claire? Where, where would you like to start? What, what, how can we help you with catharsis in, in any way that we can? Oh, boy, what do you want to know? Um, <laughs> we can talk about myocarditis. We can talk mm-hmm. about vaccinating children. We can talk about the, um, the hard cell being made to pregnant women right now. We can talk about the ongoing side effects. 
Um, none of that. Well, first, the, the side effects haven't gone away. They haven't changed. Yeah. So. Well, I think the first thing that we should do, as we always do, is start with um, you're still working. Is that correct? And you're still working in the big in the big hospital system. Mm, yes. I. What What are you seeing? <laughs> is it is the is is it full? Is it full of is a plague of the unvaccinated? No. We know the answer to that question. Yeah, Go ahead. No. Um, so I looked yesterday. Um, we have five in my hospital. Five patients on the ventilator with COVID. Okay. Um, I did venture up to the ICU last week to um, chat with some people and I found that um, the nurses there are reporting that it is a mix of unvaccinated and vaccinated, imagine that, um, who are coming in sick. So, and if you recall last, I think February, um, I should have dug up the sound bites for super nerd. This vaccine was sold to the public by you name it, Joe Biden, Anthony Fauci, people in the CDC, the Walensky woman from uh, from the CDC, they all said the vaccine, you can still get COVID and you can still transmit COVID. But you are guaranteed 100% not to die, not to be sick enough to require hospitalization, and certainly not to be sick enough to require a mechanical ventilator. None of that is true. Mm -hmm. um, so we are very busy, though. What you are seeing um, in the news, I, I found it laughable. I think it was last week, NPR ran a story about how it was actually, I have to give NPR credit. I'm not an NPR fan, but yeah. they did an they did a pretty good job um, of reporting f with fair, fairly accurately what's happening. Um, hospitals are very busy, very busy, and they're busy with patients that are sick, very sick and not sick with COVID. Um, lots of vascular problems, blood guts, um, strokes, heart attacks. I have seen more people getting their legs amputated in the last few months than I think I've ever seen in my career. Wow. Um, 20 year olds with strokes, people mm -hmm. with bizarre um, blood clots in, in their, in their back, in their abdomen, um, mm -hmm. just weird, weird stuff. Um, not saying that those things never happened in the past, but they were rare and few and far between. And the frequency with which we are seeing these things now, there's a common denominator. You know, these are patients that are vaccinated. I sure. visited our cardiology department yesterday and spoke with one of the cardiology nurses who told me that um, they're on call seven nights a week and they're getting called in now five out of seven nights because someone needs to come to the cath lab uh, for a heart attack and that it's busier than it's ever been for her since the spring when the vaccine really, really started um, catching on more. Um, and, you know, she said the common denominator is that these patients are coming in with either arrhythmias that require intervention like cardioversion or with heart attacks um, within a week of receiving 
the vaccine. In mm-hmm. fact, the reason I was in the cardiology department yesterday was to sedate a patient who was having synchronized cardioversion um, for new onset atrial fibrillation that started on Sunday for this woman. And she had recently received the third dose, the booster. Mm -hmm. So um, these things are absolutely still happening. I'm also seeing more autoimmune um, issues. I had a patient who has new onset autoimmune hemolytic anemia. The man came into the emergency room profoundly um, anemic and jaundiced, and it was found to be autoimmune in origin. He's never had a problem like this in his life. This was a man in his 50s. He had received both doses of, I think, um, I think when I looked at his chart, I think it was Pfizer that he had gotten. And because he's on such massive, massive doses of steroids to suppress his immune system, his physician told him to get the booster. So he <laughs> went and got the third shot as soon as he could. Um, it's just, it's really stunning to watch. And my only conclusion at this point is to say that it has to be intentional. It has to be intentional. I think we're witnessing um, the collapse of our of our entire society, the, starting with um, the military, as you mentioned, during the Clinton administration, that's been dismantled over a period of decades, but also our healthcare system, yeah. um, it, it, public education has been, you know, rotten for a long time. They're just collapsing us all mm-hmm. around. And um, I, th- I think we're living through a revolution, to be honest. Yep. Absolutely, yeah. I agree. And, I, and I've, I've actually, warned colleagues of mine that exact thing you know if you want to preserve any sort of um what's the word i'm looking for um legitimacy with the Mm -hmm. public if you want any trust to be left you need to start at least questioning the mainstream narrative to a degree Mm -hmm. and and i would ask any physician out there any medical person you, you've, you've spent decades now potentially reading New England Journal, BMJ, whatever that stupid thing the AMA is coming out with, and you've believed it and it's worked for you. You've prescribed blunders and this and that and this antibiotic because it's better than this one and whatever, and it's worked out. And you have legitimacy and people trust you to a degree. You're going to lose all that because those organizations have been captured mm-hmm. by the enemy. And... You have no. You're not going to have any credibility when this is when this is over. It is becoming increasingly obvious that this is all a big lie, mm-hmm. and all of us standing rank and file supporting a lie so that we look like we're on the right team is not going to go over well for us. Everything's going to burn down. What are the chances that all the science, quote unquote, that is allowed to be published in these illustrious journals that we read? What are the chances that every single thing that gets published just lines up perfectly? The science lines up perfectly with what these governments and these corporations have been trying to do for decades. Yep. What, what, ain't, what are ain't the it chances amazing. of that? Yeah. What yep. are the chances? Even the things that go against established medical uh, science, like the mask thing. Mm-hmm. We've been, we, apparently, we've been negligent for decades in not yes. telling people to mask up every winter. And we've just let, been letting immune compromised people and cancer patients and AIDS patients just drop dead for years because we haven't told them to mask up. Or 
maybe it's all a lie, guys. Can we yeah. can we at least consider it without being labeled a weirdo or a conspiracy theorist or having our licenses taken away? Uh, which they've that is very much on the table as we've talked about before. Can we oh, at yeah. least consider it uh, there among the medical community? Any of you that are listening, the whole thing's burning down, and you're insisting on staying inside this burning building for some reason. Yeah. Well, I, for anyone listening who's involved in this, whether you you are a physician or a physician assistant, a nurse practitioner, a nurse, what, whatever role you have in healthcare, I will link in the show notes. It is like an eight hour video if anybody really wants to watch that. But even to just watch a portion of the FDA hearings um, to issue the EUA for the Pfizer vaccine for children ages five to 11. If you have any doubt about what Dr. Beep and I are saying about how much of a farce the science has been surrounding all of this from the beginning, if you watch this video and it is not readily apparent to you, you have to check yourself because what Pfizer brought forth to the FDA as science in order to appeal for this EUA was so woefully inept, I wouldn't allow my children to submit this to a middle school science fair. Let's just talk real quick about how flawed their study was. So they enrolled around 1500 children ages five to 11 in the treatment group. Those were the children they were going to vaccinate. And they enrolled 750 children in the control group. Neither group developed any infection. There was no COVID-19 infection in either group. So well, of right, course, right, I mean, right, yeah, of course, but because, because there is no, there is no emergency here, but right off the bat, that defeats their entire argument because they proved there is no emergency that would necessitate mass vaccination in this group. The other, so, but the other thing is that's also a very limited um, study sample. I mean, that's a very undersized um, group. Uh, they didn't follow them very long. They followed them only for two months. And there was a whole cohort that they only followed for 17 days and then lost touch yeah. with. So 5%, 5% of your study participants, you didn't even follow at all. And in an undersized study like that, 5% ends up being statistically significant in your outcomes. Um, then they wiped out the control group. Because once they were done, they took all of the kids in the control group who got the placebo and vaccinated them. So they have no control group now yeah, so to even over. follow yeah. long term. Yeah. This was so mind blowing, mind blowing to me. Um, and they only looked, they, they structured their risk analysis to only look at myocarditis. So they excluded all other adverse, um, adverse events like anaphylaxis, Bell's palsy, low platelet count, diabetes, which by the way, getting back to what my comment earlier regarding autoimmune issues that have emerged from these vaccines, a lot of people are developing type one 
diabetes, which is an autoimmune disease. Um, but they, they didn't look at Guillain-Barre, none of that. They only looked at myocarditis. It, it, so it was profoundly flawed. It made the FDA reveal themselves for what they are, which is a panel of basically prostitutes. I mean, these yeah. people are, are totally bought and paid for. Zero science here, zero science, guys. And so, again, if you are a healthcare provider in any way, you should at least watch a snippet of this hearing and see it is so demonstrably, um, it's just, it's a fraud. It's yeah. a fraud. Corrupt. Yeah, clearly bought and paid for. I so mean, basically it's... what you're saying is there were no long-term complications found in this study. <laughs> That's what I get out of it. I'm going to, I got to prescribe this vaccine to these kids. Yeah, I mean, you do you do a study look at look at seventeen days and declare that there are no there are no long term consequences. I mean, yeah, stop and no, think about that. Stop yeah, and think no, about that. These kids have not had any fertility issues, guys. It's fine. Yeah, th this this seven year old has had no adverse fertility effects. So everybody, you're you're just a tinfoil hat conspiracy yeah. theorist. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, the, that meme that's going around, and it's, it's exactly true. It's that list of how long it took, how many decades of active research it took to develop each of the major vaccines. And, you know, it's 30 years, 40 years, um, still working on it, not developed yet, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this, the business of creating actual vaccines is decades long process, exactly for this reason, because you have to have enough time pass so that you you know what the heck's going on. I mean, we're, do, we're doing stuff now, you're, they're, they're mandating injecting children with this crap with a 17 day um, observation window. It's, um, you can't even make this up. You can't. And no. And just, just a quick, a quick point while I'm, while I'm thinking about it. Um, people are starting to talk about the fact now that damn it, these aren't vaccines. These are drugs. Okay. And, and this was done. Who was it? I think Merck or Bear, one of, one of the two of them, not that they're, not that they're, you know, angelic in any of this either. But either Merck or Bear is right now coming out saying this, this was all done. These these are drugs and they they've been called vaccines as a pure marketing ploy that it's it, because there was this quote unquote anti-vax movement that had already that already was poisoned in the zeitgeist. They said, okay, all we have to do is call these drugs vaccines and market them as vaccines. And then we'll have this leverage, this marketing leverage saying, what, you're against this? You're against vaccines? They aren't vaccines. Vaccines are vaccines. You take a virus, it's either uh, killed or modified live. You inject it into the person, the immune system then encounters it, creates antibodies, and you don't get said disease, you don't get smallpox, you can't transmit smallpox. You can go roll around in a, in a pile of people who are in full-blown smallpox, and if you're vaccinated against smallpox, you are not going to get it. You can go roll around on top of those people, go take a shower and go home to your family and nothing's going to happen. You're not getting it. Um, 
that is nothing that's nothing to do with what these drugs are and so you know maybe maybe the tide is turning and maybe we all are going to start turning the corner and we're going to stop calling this this crap vaccine because that's not what it is it's drugs and so if you think about it if the government is saying you have to take a drug you have to take this drug as a condition of 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 being alive in this society you have to take a drug that has a whole different marketing ring to it than you have to be vaccinated um so that's why they've fraudulently chosen to brand these things from the very get-go as quote unquote vaccine because it gave that leverage so but you're surprised that the same people who can't accurately define the difference between a man and a woman are going to fudge the definition of a vaccine. Well, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, Orwell is Orwell is spinning in his grave. Somebody needs to go hook a turbine up to up to Orwell's body because there'd be damn near unlimited electricity coming out of that bad boy. So yeah. Well, sadly, as a result of this fraud, um, if you believe the numbers, nine hundred thousand children received this this injection um, within the last week spanning i think it was was to start last thursday um or last wednesday until today there have been nine hundred thousand doses administered to children in that age range Terrible. and who who knows if that's right or not either i mean that could be them trying to peer pressure everyone else into doing it you, you just literally cannot believe anything that is said anymore but it's it's obvious that yes a lot of children have already been given this poison and God, God only knows what the long-term consequences of this are going to be. And this is, this kind of leads into, into something that I'm seeing a lot of in my email box and we should probably talk about is people are emailing in and saying, well, how long do, how long do the adverse effects of this um, injection last? And what are what what's the antidote to it? What are the drugs we can take as an antidote? Well, the last I checked, death was kind of permanent. Death yeah. is permanent. Yeah. Um, I, I think it what it seems to me, and I think we've talked about this before, but it's it what it reminds me of is like every second or third episode of basically Star Trek, which is you encounter some horrible disease or virus on some alien planet. And then the doctor has to develop a vaccine that saves everybody's life. And then, you know, it's the end of the episode and it's never thought of or spoken about again. And I think in our effeminate world, one of the things that people have problems with psycho-spiritually is they cannot deal with the fact that there are permanent, permanent consequences to actions and choices. And that they're, you know, they're living under this childlike fantasy that everything is like a movie or a TV show that resolves at the end, um, it, you know, nothing lasts, nothing's permanent, there's no permanent consequences to anything, there's going to be some, some um, deus ex machina situation with, that swoops in and, okay, everybody who had these death injections will just either take one pill or get one other shot and it'll completely cancel all the, all the horrible effect, poisonous effects of these, of these shots. And I, th I really genuinely think that people cannot psycho-spiritually deal with the entire notion that there are permanent 
lasting grave consequences to their decisions um you know in this world um and you know you're replying to people and saying um no, I mean, they're saying, oh, ask, ask Dr. Beep and Nurse Claire to tell us what the antidote to all of this is. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, let, let, me, let me just throw that out there. No pressure. Uh, Dr. Beep, Nurse Claire, who wants to take that? What, what, is, what is the antidote to the death injection? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you. Well, okay. So, Dr. Beep, I don't want to step on you. Do you want oh, to no. go, go first? Ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. wants to so, you got this one. <laughs> with regards to the, the permanence of effects, I will offer these scenarios to those listeners. First of all, there's a multitude of side effects that we have seen related to this vaccine. Um, I personally, I, I know, um, I know a physician who developed pulmonary embolism after the vaccine that was in, I think February because, you know, physicians, healthcare workers were vaccinated early on. Um, this gentleman has supposedly developed repeat episodes of pulmonary emboli since then. Um, I know myself, I have um, seen patients who have had the same scenario. I had a woman who had a blood clot in her leg shortly after receiving the Pfizer vaccine. She came to the operating room, we removed the blood clot, and she was then going to be taking anticoagulant medications for the remainder of her life. And three months later, she developed another blood clot in the same leg. Um, despite being anticoagulated. So and just these... to, just to interject, sorry that and that is not normal in and of itself. If you Correct. have an, if you have Correct. a a um, a provoked embolic event, event, a a thrombus of some kind because you had an injury or an illness or a, an inciting event like the vaccine, supposedly just a one-time deal, that should have been a one-time deal. They should not really be at an increased risk especially if they're on anticoagulants, of having more clots in the future unless there is an ongoing process causing uh, that. Right. And you can develop something like Guillain-Barre syndrome. So there are people who have developed that, that, that the lasting effects are years. Um, so you're, you're playing Russian roulette. I can't, I can't yes. answer that definitively there is no definitive answer and in terms of an antidote i've seen people on the internet talk about taking different herbals and things like that um i have no idea if these things work but what i can tell you is that once you take this vaccine you cannot take it back yeah and i don't believe that taking um i know we've talked about using the dandelion root extract to combat um to defend yourself against the shedding. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to take a vaccine if that means that I have to take dandelion root extract three times a day the rest of my life. Well, well exactly, mean, exactly. And we don't even know. And that's and the we, other point. Right. Wait, it's too soon, guys. 
Right. That's the entire point. We have absolutely no idea what the what the real long term consequences of this of this is. No, nobody knows. Doctor Beep doesn't know. Nurse Claire doesn't know. We're all we're all going through this at the same rate of one second per second passage of time. We're all in the same boat. Nobody knows. Well, um, yeah, go ahead. I, I think this. I think this is a good. Um, place to mention the myocarditis because we are seeing people like Sanjay Gupta, um, Tony Fauci, we're seeing people like that making very high profile public appearances like um, Dr. Gupta was on the Joe Rogan show, for example. And they want to convince the public that if your teenager or your young adult develops myocarditis from the vaccine that that that's is no biggie it'll pass correct it'll that pass that's, that yeah. that's yeah. mild that it's you know a few days of feeling bad and take some ibuprofen there was a um a paper that came out of boston children's hospital earlier this summer where they looked at 15 so admittedly it was only 15 studies but it was 15 children who had mild myocarditis. These were patients who, um, you know, their cardiac function appeared to be okay. They had a few days of chest pain, a few days of um, fatigue, and they did a, um, they did MRI studies on these 15, um, I called them children, but they were adolescents. They, they uh, did MRIs that were enhanced with a contrast dye called gadolinium. And what they found, I'm not going to bore you with the details of how that works, but what they found is that 12 of those 15 adolescents um, who otherwise appeared okay had significant changes in the way their uh, cardiac MRI, the way their heart muscle um, looked on these MRI images that indicate um, possible necrosis of the muscle. And they said in the paper, there, we do not know the long-term consequences. And we do know that myocarditis typically carries a 20% mortality after two years. And at five years, it's it can be as high as 50%. And so I'm not willing to roll the dice with my children that I'm going to potentially, I'm going to inject them with a drug that's going to potentially damage their heart muscle and they may feel okay in the short term, but then go on to develop um, arrhythmias. Because if you have a scar in your muscle, it's not going to conduct an electrical impulse properly. These are people that are now predisposed to developing cardiac arrhythmias or um, the muscle cannot contract appropriately, so they may develop heart failure. Um, this is, we are being propagandized to think that these effects are transient and short term. And let us be very clear, no one can tell you that with certainty. And if they are, they are lying to you because the data does not exist. Yeah, and the, and the part of the problem is a lot of doctors are seeing 30 patients in clinic a day and they go home and they're exhausted and they look at New England Journal and it says something about, hey, vaccine good. And their patients are coming in and asking them, hey, doc, what, what about this vaccine? Most vaccines are fairly safe. And it is true historically that 
adverse events from vaccines typically happen within the first 24 to 48 hours, very short term. And typically, whatever's in the vaccine that goes in your body is cleared and goes away from your body, you know, your antibodies are made and whatever's in the vaccine, I think is mostly cleared, and it goes away. Apparently, whatever's in in the mRNA vaccines does not go away. There's an ongoing process of some kind. If you read up on it, they say, oh, the mRNA goes away almost immediately. The spike proteins stay in the local muscle, maybe in some of the lymph nodes nearby for maybe a few weeks, and then it goes away. We know that's not true because they found the spike proteins in all kinds of different tissues. But beyond that, there's an effect going on at least for months and months and months going forward because as we're seeing in these patients with these repeat clots, there should be nothing left in their body from that vaccine at that point according to the mainstream narrative. So you've got doctors that are going off really old data based on old vaccines and then you just have to kind of extrapolate from what we're seeing and what we're being told and say, yeah, there's an upfront cost, there's an upfront risk, but there's actually an ongoing thing and we just don't know the endpoint yet. Well, see, that that back to my point about the precision between um, drug and vaccine. If they're trying to map, um, you know, evidence and data from actual vaccines over the past however many decades onto this crap, which isn't a vaccine, I mean, that right there, you're trying to put a, a square peg into a round hole, but that, that just isn't going to work. You're, you're mixing and matching like like that. They've all of a sudden now said, oh, go ahead and mix and match, you know, do one Pfizer two Moderna, three Johnson and Johnson or what? I mean, it's, it's, it's abject madness. They're they're just throwing throwing overcooked spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. It's it's the opposite of science. And isn't it ironic and isn't it the height of projection that anyone who resists any of this is 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 accused of being anti-science when in fact this is this is the antithesis of anti-science, anti-scientific method, et cetera. Nurse Claire, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say the nanolipid particles that are in these vaccine in these injections, excuse me, um, I don't, I don't know that these things leave your body and I don't know what the long-term consequences are to having them inside of you. No one does. And that's, that's the point. There's no data. Well, but There's no they've science. They've had an idea. They've had an idea because do you guys remember um, a few months ago, I posted that 2016 long magazine write-up about Moderna. And it says right in that article that had the cooperation and was quoting the CEO, the founder of Moderna, it specifically said that one of the main problems is that the the carrier had had cumulative toxic effects. It says it right there. They knew that whatever these nanolipid particles or whatever, however you want to describe the carrier that this crap is in, that it was just that it was toxic and it was cumulatively toxic. So not only is it, oh, you have to you have to get this injection. Now it's you have to get three, four, five, six, seven. This is never going to end. They know it's cumulatively toxic and they just I, I guess for some of them, it's just, I mean, obviously the top level ones are, are Luciferian and they want people dead, but I think the level below that is they just see the cash cow. 
they just see the ability to get tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars directly from the US government and you know world governments for this. And they they're that trumps the fact that they know, they absolutely know that the, that the carrier is toxic and cumulatively toxic, but it's no more, 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 give them more, make them take more. That's all they care about. It's unbelievable to watch. Well, when you say cumulatively toxic, one of the things that comes to mind for me, since I've got a little bit of background, and I do stress a little bit of a background with uh, nuclear science, the whole idea of zero no threshold when it comes to exposure to nuclear radiation, which has been disproven many times over. The idea that once you have exposure at one point in time to any kind of nuclear radiation, that if you have another exposure 10 years later, it's a cumulative effect. It's more akin to being exposed to the sun. You can get a sunburn today. Well, maybe not today in North America, but you can get a sunburn and three months later, go out in the sun and not get a sunburn or maybe get a sunburn, but it's not cumulative because the body has the ability to heal itself. I'm not defending Moderna here in saying that they're wrong in saying this is, this is cumulative. This is just something that came to mind is like, we're talking about science here. And these people who are talking about science are saying some of the least scientific things that can be imagined. Well, I mean, and with this, I think in terms of the cumulative nature of it, look at how quick they're making, they're saying that people need to be getting these injections. So it's um, the, uh, allegedly the first two and they're what, um, a month apart. And then what, six months later, eight months later, you need to get the quote unquote booster. And then in Israel, they're now on the fourth and that was another six months after that. I mean, at, at, I've heard gonna, rumblings of the fourth here too, because yeah, the, I mean, the third yeah. here. To be fair, the third where I work, they were giving out the third in August and early mm -hmm. September. So, I've already heard rumblings about a fourth. Well, sure, and they're gonna they're gonna whittle it down till it's something quarterly or something like that. Um, because remember. I, I think ultimately where what the purpose of this is at the highest level is to get people into a paradigm of total, complete economic and, and social control. And the way that you do that is you keep you have you establish these green passes and then tie everybody's ability to buy, sell, have a roof over your head, have a job, work, um, be eligible for any services, be eligible for health care in and of itself. It's all going to be tied to getting these injections. And you have to have that at a certain level of frequency in order for it to be effective. So I, I would guess, just practically speaking, that they're probably targeting quarterly, that people are going to have to go and get an injection of drugs every quarter and able to maintain the ability to buy and now, now here's a, a segue into how is this not the mark of the beast? I mean, uh, that that's that's a question. That's a debate. Some people are saying no. This is just grooming for the mark of the beast. I don't. I don't know. If if you if your ability to buy and sell is completely taken away, how is it not the mark of the beast? It seems to me it's the false prophet forerunner of the mark of the beast. Well, yeah. <laughs> it. It sure has 
it sure has that sort of stench to it, doesn't it? It savors of it, yes. It yeah, savors I, of it indeed, yeah. I so I you know, I think that it's it's building that system, like you said. I think this is mm-hmm. the initial currency that they have to get everyone on they have to have everyone on the same currency. There's this initial buy in and that establishes the system. And then they'll tag yeah. other things into it. It's kinda like the social credit score in China. We kinda know how that works. You know, there's you know, you if you cough on somebody in public, their cameras pick it up, your social score goes down. And if you post bad things about the government and it and it's all cumulative. It's like this big dossier that they have built on yeah. each individual. But they need a, a, this sort of initial currency that gets everyone on the same playing field. You're all starting. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone has to come to the table and you all get dealt a hand to get into the card game. Yeah. And I think that's what this I think that's what this is. Now, I, I do you guys mind if I talk real quick about this double head fake? Uh, oh, yeah, idea. please, please, yeah. I, I, I just yep. want to address it because I've heard it a couple of times from a couple of different people, and it was brought up to me again last week, uh, and, and it is this, and, and my, my dad uses this, the double head fake sports analogy of, you know, they're, they're making it look like they want to go this way, but they actually do want to go this way, um, and the idea is basically this is a vaccine, or these are these are protective, and against really COVID, it's going to be against the next big thing that they release. You know, this, Smallpox is what Gates yeah, yeah, just keeps exactly, talking about ad exactly. infinitum. So yeah. they're going to get everybody that's uh, one of their people, all the people that are compliant, that are going to be submissive and docile and do what they're told, all their people, quote unquote, are going to get the vaccine and they're going to be safe. So they know that when the smallpox or whatever, the big the next big thing comes out, it's going to kill off all of us riffraff, rebellious you know, Christians and all that stuff. And I, you know, obviously that kind of makes sense. You know, logically, I, I can see, you know, if you're in a war and you had a, the ability to protect your soldiers versus the enemy soldiers from the lethal gas you're about to, to release, it might be something that you do. But one, I do think that, so here here's sort of how I look at it. And, and Nurse Claire super nerd you guys let me know if i'm insane the way i see it is one it it, it, i think this might be the mark of the beast i want no part of it two it's a sin against prudence to do this we know that these things are dangerous uh and unsafe and nasty and three they they use you know fetal cells uh from abortions in their uh development yeah um but more than anything, what what I the way that I see it, I think that we are really look staring down the ba- the the barrel of sort of the end times. Where I think we're entering into that, and the tribulation, the way that I see it, most people walking around today are in a total immoral state. They're totally fallen. Satan already has these folks. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if they all if they what is really basically what I'm getting at is what is the challenge going through the tribu- tribulation if everyone left on earth has already fallen? The tribulation, I think, is to test the saints, the elect, right. to see if we can really get through it, right? So if we're all dead, we all go to our eternal reward, you know, yeah. God willing, uh, and now all that's left on earth is just nothing but... It it, it, it reaks of... Uh, what's the rapture? Uh, yeah, in, in yeah. Protestant theology, we'll all be gone, and then Earth will be hell on Earth. Right. And yeah. so, what's what's the point? Basically, is what I'm getting at. 
Um, why not subject us to the tribulation? Leave us alive. Don't don't kill us off immediately. Leave us alive to go through this to see if if Satan can tempt us into that system, right? Uh, exactly. Along the way to keep us safe to get earthly pleasures and and safety and security. Um, that's the way I look at it, and that's how that, I kind of answered the question. So I don't that, know. That's if, a great point, and that I think that's makes it really easy for people to understand. The double head fake theory stinks of the rapture heresy. Absolutely, I think you're spot on there. And I would also say. These people take them at their word. They are openly Malthusian. They want 90% of humanity dead. They've made no bones about this for 40, 50 years. Take them at their word. If they're telling you the truth about anything, it's that. They want 90% of the human race gone. Um, now, obviously, as we've talked about, there's levels of this, and Satan is at the top, and you know his his priority is souls. He wants souls in hell, but he's got these minions who are working for him, and their their jam is this whole Malthusian um, eugenic mindset. The notion that they would be actually that they they're they want ninety percent of the human race dead, but they're actually trying. To, to save 90% of the human race and just call the 10% of us who are indocile to them? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't buy that. And if you look at the history of Marxist regimes, you know, so on and so forth, they have absolutely no qualms about greasing their own people. I mean, you know, Ma Mao tore through 45 million Chinese, the Russians tore through, yeah, I, I don't even know, 30 million something. They have no problem. They have no problem greasing their own people. And that's another thing that I think it's hard for people to understand that, you know, they're not, they're not trying to quote unquote win in the conventional sense. Um, we're, we're, one of the reasons why we're so unable to deal with this is because we're we're talking about different quantities and and different realities in terms of quote unquote winning um we're thinking in in classical terms of you know we survive our culture survives and thrives etc cetera, etc cetera. you have to understand that's not what these people want they're trying to destroy everything. They're trying to collapse everything. And they want 90% of the surface population, red, white, green, blue, black, whatever color, they want 90% of the people gone. And so, you know, if you're, if you're, you're talking past each other in a certain sense, because we've got the classical mindset of, you know, actually winning a war and, you know, the enemy, it's it, their version of winning is the Luciferian version of winning. Yes. And I so. think as part of that, too, the, you know, the secret society Luciferian type, they love one, like you said, to show their hand and tell mm -hmm. you exactly what they're going to do before they do it. They love that. Yep. What they also love is having you choose your instruction. Yep. Very Luciferian. You, hey, you get the shot. We didn't, I didn't really make it. You could have said no. You yep. got the shot. Now you've got the myocarditis. Yep. I'm not going to, I don't personally want to get into that game. I'm going to cling to my faith and I'm going to just say, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a Catholic. I'm, I'm sticking with God. 
I'm not going to go down this this sort of Faustian kind of deal where it's like, yeah, you're alive maybe, but it's going to be hell on earth that you chose. Yeah. No. We're going to stand on our feet and we're going to choose to live as righteously as we can and we're not going to play their stupid Luciferian games if we can at all avoid it. And we know, we know from Scripture that there's going to be casualties of the good and the bad, but we also know from Scripture, which was, um, I believe it was last Sunday's reading in the, in the uh, 1962, was we know from Scripture that it's going to be a mixed bag all the way to the end because it was the it was the parable of of the wheat and the cockle um that and our, our lord says explicitly look so someone has come in someone has sown the cockle in the wheat field leave it he says leave it because if you go in and you try to get all the cockle out you're going to uproot a bunch of the wheat yep. leave it until the end it will be harvested, and then at the harvest, it will be it will be sorted, and you and you know the wheat will go into the granary, and the cockle will be gathered, bundled, and burned. Um, yep. In t- until the very end, it's gonna be a mixed bag. It's gonna be the good and the bad, and this is germane with. Um, all of the all the garbage that's going on in the church and why are you catholic and why don't you people get out you're all a bunch of cultists no because it's been explicitly explained to us that this is going to happen what to expect and that and that it is going to be the church militant the church on earth is going to be basically a a species of train wreck until the very, very end. And if you fall into this mindset of looking for the perfect church filled with all the perfect people and there's no corruption and there's no bad priests and there's no bad bishops, you're, 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 you're going to be out. You're going to apostatize. You're going to apostatize quickly. And we're seeing a lot of that happening. Um, even with trad, trad Catholic alleged thought leaders and all that the full-blown going into full-blown apostasy because everybody's so horrible well if, if, if our lord is saying right there in, in scriptures it's going to be a mixed bag till the very end you you kind of need to intellectually grasp this and understand it and not be gaslighted into thinking that you're some sort of a cultist um because it's going to be the good and the bad, so that applies to the church, and that also applies to the to the broad population too. the The rain falls on the wicked and the just, and it's it's always been that way, and it's going to be that way till the end. We're assured by God Himself in Holy Scripture, so we really don't have much of an excuse to fall into this into this trap. It seems to me. Amen. Super nerd. Oh, I'm just taking it all in right now. <laughs> I was going to make a comment about um, you know, thinning out the population, and it sounds like it sounds a lot like the prophecy of Our Lady of Akita, mm-hmm. that um, a lot of people are going to die, and it's going to be from all classes, all ranks. The living will envy the dead. Yep. And I always thought that was going to be literal fire from the sky, and I've made comments on the podcast in the past that we humans have the technology to do that, but 
maybe fire is misunderstood. Maybe it's a prophecy uh, that was misunderstood. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I think that's possible. Yeah. But the other thing is, um, and I posted, <laughs> this is this is a chipper happy thought. Um, last year sometime, I don't know, it's been a while ago, but there is the thought that at some point that governments, um, nuclear armed governments, such as the former United States, could, could, start deploying nuclear arms against their own population in the name of controlling quote unquote outbreaks of something. Um, and yeah, I could see that happening. I could see them nuking Florida, for example, or, or whoever secedes basically. So let's say hy hypothetically Florida secedes, then somebody declares that there's an outbreak of something or Bill Gates does something like re releases smallpox in Florida and then Washington DC nukes Florida because we have to control the smallpox outbreak or something like that. Oh, I, I can see that happening. I can I see, can that, see that getting broad uh, public support yep. eventually. I mean, these the way people are, are acting toward the the quote unquote unvaccinated. The, yeah. I mean, there is no mercy at all. No. They want nope. you. They don't care if you die. You're out of a job. Your kids starve. It's becoming very very violent it's very it's murderous it is yep. absolutely murderous yes yep but to nuke florida to actually wipe the whole thing out that takes more than a handful of bombs yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well well uh i think this has the potential to get a little, so much darker than any of us even 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 the four of us, jaded as we are, can imagine. Um, can, I, you, can you two years ago today? Can you imagine any of this? Any of this that you cannot? You cannot have a job. You cannot have a job in the United States of America unless you take an experimental, clearly toxic drug. I mean, two years ago today, if anybody said this to you, you would say, I I'm sorry, but you're, you need to adjust your tinfoil hat settings, but it's... Uh, For a disease that is treatable. Yep. And 99% of the people who get it recover on their yep. own. Um, and the drug doesn't do what we are told that it's meant to do, which is to prevent this yep. mild disease yeah yep it's it's crazy i think it's fair to say that we are living through an attempted call mm -hmm. um and i can't shake the feeling that we're in like sort of um a calm before i do think it's gonna get much worse um soon yeah. Um, the remdesivir killings are still going on inside of hospitals. Um, the medical kidnapping still yeah. going on. Uh, all of this, it's going to get much, much worse. And now that they're going after children, I'm concerned. Uh, they're talking about basically licensing parenthood, that they will not release newborn children to their parents until the parents, um, you know, vaccinate, sign off on this, that, and the other are fully in compliant with, with the COVIDic regime that you're, I mean, go, that it'll, it'll be a calculated risk. And it, to some extent, it probably already is to, to have a baby in a hospital. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's little low levels of this already happening where babies are like in NICU and, you know, mom or dad test positive, And so they can't even go see the child that very quickly turns into 
you just can't have the child at all. It's or- absolutely happening. It's absolutely happening. And that, that was another topic that I wanted to touch on, if that's okay, okay. with you. Absolutely. Anne. Yep. Um, guys, if you, if, the, if this entire podcast, I just sound like Charlie Brown's teacher, want, 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 that's fine. But what I'm about to say, please put your ears on. You have to get meds now mm-hmm. before you're sick and you have to be prepared to stay home. Do not go to a hospital. And if you do, or your family goes to the hospital, there's a couple of things I want you to do. I want you to Google and read the patient's bill of rights so that you know what your rights are. And I also want you to contact American Frontline Nurses, which is um, a network of nurse advocates that is being set up to, to help people navigate these situations because medical kidnappings are becoming a thing, um, both with people in the hospital, adults, you know, who are sedated on a ventilator, cannot advocate for themselves, um, and for babies. Um, women are being tested for COVID when they enter the hospital to go into labor. Um, and if they are tested positive, their newborn is being quarantined from them. There are nurses who can help you with this situation because they have managed to um, set up a network of lawyers. Obviously, we can't put those people's names out there, but um, these situations are happening at such an increased frequency and at such an alarming rate that there's actually advocates now um, set up to help you because a need has been identified. So please, get your ivermectin and be prepared to stay home as long as possible and avoid hospitals. Um, Support your immune system naturally. We've talked about this on and on and on so many times. You're probably Mm -hmm. tired of hearing me say that, but vitamin D3, you have to take vitamin K2 along with that in order to get the D3 to work. Um, Vitamin C, Take it daily, and if you get sick, you should be dosing it hourly. Um, Also, if you're unsure of where you stand in terms of your vitamin D level, you can get that checked, and you can get that checked on your own without your physician ordering that um, blood work for you. If you do that, you will have to pay for it. If your doctor orders it, your insurance will likely cover it. But um, I just had mine drawn today actually um so but you said it wasn't that much it was like 45 bucks right no i i had covid antibodies drawn for 45 dollars my vitamin d test was 99 dollars um Ooh. i've seen it out there for 75 um if you go to just google search um quest diagnostics or mm, lab core mm-hmm. some of these um chain laboratories mm-hmm. will allow you to get on their website find a, a, a location 
and book an appointment to have this test done and you just pay for it yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is going to probably run you about a hundred bucks. But if you're unsure whether your vitamin D supplementation is effective or where, or if, you know, the regimen that you're using is working, then you should have that checked and it should be around 50 or above in order to keep you um fighting all of these little bugs out there um whether it's covid whether it's rsv whether it's just a seasonal cold um you have to try to be prepared to stay healthy on your own eat right do not be consuming a ton of sugar get Mm -hmm. some exercise get some natural sunlight and try very very hard to stay out of the hospital and like i said if you have to go to the hospital read the patient's bill of rights know what your rights are you do have um, the right to informed consent. You do have a right to have uh, a say in your medical treatment, to know the pros and cons. Um, you know, the people are having their rights violated all over the place now because they don't know how to advocate for themselves. So get prepared. And um, I'll put a link in the show notes to the American Frontline Nurses website that you can find um, information and also they've been working with some pharmacies they can help guide you if you do get a prescription for ivermectin they can help guide you to pharmacies that will fill that for you that none of the chain pharmacies will um, walgreens cvs none of, none of them will fill it but um that's that's my big my big helpful hint because um it's it's dark <laughs> these are dark yeah. days And hospitals are just, it's really shocking to see what is going on. That's, I I don't know how else to describe it. It it is just shocking. Yeah. I agree. It is extremely uh, disappointing. What were you saying, super nerd, about a lawyer? No, I was going to say, it almost sounds like you need a lawyer if you're going to a hospital these days. But then again, we've talked about the rule of law and how much that's worth. Well, I mean, the, the, the fear is like some, someone, for example, like myself, you know, 45 single. What happens if I, if I go down with something? You think about that. If, if I got drug into a, into a, a hospital, how, what is going to keep somebody from just saying, yeah, yeah, she signed off on this, sedating me and shoving a tube down my throat and waiting for my lungs to explode? I mean... Uh, how would you how would you stop that if someone wanted to do it if you have if you have no external advocacy and what that drives home to me is the point that nurse claire was making is you you have to stay the hell out of the hospital you have to stay away from hospitals by by any means necessary i mean we're talking you go to the hospital if you have a compound fracture or something like that but otherwise if if you're conscious and and it is not 1000% necessary for you to go to the hospital, you need to stay the hell away from it because they they want to kill you or they're ambivalent about whether or not you live or die at best, at best. And so, well, yeah. if you've had, if you got the COVID shots and you're having crushing chest pain, you should probably go to the hospital because you're probably having a heart attack mm-hmm. or, a, or a PE. But uh, there's a couple of things you can do to protect yourself potentially, at least traditionally. One is the advanced directive. Uh, another is to appoint a medical power of attorney beforehand uh, that um, power over your life essentially goes to 
mm-hmm. uh, if you are uh, debilitated. And so, you know, you can make your spouse or a, a friend, it, you can make, I think you can make anybody your power, your medical power of attorney if you are mm-hmm. to be, if you're like found unconscious or something, they call this person. Uh, advanced directives, you know, it's, it, it's, it gets pretty tricky. You know, if you come in in the middle of the night after a car accident, the people taking care of you, hopefully they're more worried about just, you know, stabilizing your, uh, you know, your bleeding or whatever, but, um, it's kind of hard for them to get a hold of the advanced directive. I guess if you just carry it around on you all the time uh, and they care to look for it. But those are a couple of things you can do. Make sure that everyone in your family that could potentially be called if you are found down or something and go to the hospital, uh, make sure they all know your stance on everything. Yeah. As far as organ donation, vaccines, when to pull the plug, when to be intubated, when to be extubated. Uh, all that sorts of, sort of thing. Um, it, it is really actually pretty shocking how often family members don't really know and then they're kind of left making these decisions. And in the moment, a lot of them, I, I think from my perspective, often don't make good decisions. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, talk to your family members. Or are su- write susceptible, it all up and have it ready. susceptible to coercion. So oh, that's susceptible to coercion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it, it can go both ways as far as you know, I've seen people linger on the vent for weeks and weeks when they're, the body's already dead, you know, and you're just keeping them kind of alive. And that's a tragic situation. Um, and, you know, you don't want to end up in that situation. You want to be put in that situation because they give you drugs that you you don't want. But Yeah. yeah. You know, normally under Catholic moral law, you're not supposed to be doing mutilation to your body. And that even can be understood to mean you're not supposed to be having tattoos outside of something that has deep historical cultural significance like the ethiopian christians get tattoos of the um of a cross on their forehead and there's some exception for sailors who uh get tattoos for sailing the seven seas or whatnot but i almost wonder listening to this whether or not it would be reasonable and moral to literally tattoo on your arm the link to your advanced directive and the phone number of your medical power of attorney (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, I've I've encountered indigent type patients that come in and we never find a next of kin. Yeah. And then we we have to go to like an ethics committee and and, and figure out what we're going to do with this person because they're never coming out of this coma, you know, quote unquote coma. Um, yeah, that honestly probably wouldn't be a terrible idea these days. You don't want to become a ward of the state. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you're just you're just a, a vector for experimentation. Also, at that point, it seems to me, or organ harvesting, um, depending on what the what the pri- priority of the of the hospital is. But the whole organ harvesting thing too is extremely sketchy. So, uh, what 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 a disaster! And just a matter of such a short time, we went from being, you know, the pen the pinnacle of allegedly the pinnacle of human human achievement and human medicine and now it's stay stay as far away from all of it as you possibly can with literally doctors and nurses telling you stay as far away from it as you possibly can it's it's unbelievable soup super nerd what do you got have we hit i think we've hit all the the 
main bullet points, have we not? Oh, I have no idea. I, I wasn't okay. collecting, I wasn't <laughs> collecting you know? talking points for this. <laughs> I, I told Nurse Claire earlier, it's like, we're going to do this like McLaughlin group style. It's like, Nurse Claire, go. Whatever's on your mind. Uh, Dr. Beep, go. Ann, you go. I, Super Nurse got nothing <laughs> Do we, right, do we want to talk? Does... Sorry, go ahead. Okay, did you anything you want to get off your chest? So yeah, well, go ahead. Uh, I'm already on watch lists. Of, you know, I'm already probably on. Uh, I'm on all kinds of bad boy lists. I think I've been banned from PayPal and and all this. So I, I got to be careful. We all have. I think. I think yeah. Yeah, I think they're getting ready to bust down my door any minute. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to get too much off my chest, but I I will say, you know, I think we were going to maybe do a, an episode at some point about medical preparedness. We're kind of getting into it now. Uh, I don't want to get into too many details, but as far as as preparatory stuff that people can start doing now uh, is getting trained up in things like CPR. So taking mm -hmm. like basic life-saving, I think is excellent. Uh, you can do the one that's for kids. If you have children, they come and they teach you how to do CPR on kids. They teach you how to dislodge things that get stuck in their throat. These are very easy things that you can do to save a life. Uh, these are these are courses that you can take within your community. You don't necessarily oh, I need know, to go to I a hospital what, or anything for it. What you brought up that um, I've been thinking a lot about how are people going to learn how to, you know, suture and sew people up. And you said you don't even have to do the suturing. You can buy those those staplers. Yeah, you right? get a skin stapler for, I mean, for a lot of things. I mean, obviously, if you, if you don't care about your appearance, I guess you could do it use one on your face or something go full frankenstein to. yeah yeah uh you know that's an option you know for if you've cut yourself open pretty good especially if you don't have uh, anesthetic you just grin and bear it and you just uh, go for it and chick 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 and you just close up the skin that is an option um I think we could probably get into that kind of stuff in a later episode. Kind of, yeah. Go I think more that's a details. standalone because that's something yeah. that people want to have compartmentalized. And oh, I want to go listen to episode, yeah. you know, one sixty one about yep. <laughs> about yeah. how to and, staple my face up. And a lot, yeah, <laughs> awesome. exactly. He said, and I could just see people with their swing line just like bashing their head trying to close up yeah. a, <laughs> a laceration. You know, and, and there's a lot of stuff people don't, you know, you, you don't really think about it, but there's a lot of things to consider. You know, there's times when you don't close a laceration and, and there's times when you need antibiotics and all these different considerations i think we could probably talk about later um, yeah but yeah i mean getting supplies is going to be tough learning technique is is tough obviously youtube is out there there are great books like the ranger medic handbook uh is one that i recommend that if you can get your hands on it it's great um and then if you if you can find a course there's something called stop the bleed uh which is a great thing where you learn how to use a tourniquet and trauma Ooh. gauze. Yeah, it's it's great for people out in the community. You're not going to learn the more advanced skills of, you know, a surgical airway and all this stuff. But, yeah, if you can get basic life-saving, you know, learning how to do CPR, learning how to do that for kids, learn how to stop the bleed, you know, how to use a tourniquet, do do this the stop the bleed course. Uh, if you're a medical provider, uh, there's something called TECC, uh, I don't even know what it stands for. The it's based on the the combat, the tactical combat casualty care, which is what I did in the military. It's one of the things that I uh, taught and used in my job, and that's more. In, that's you, you know, stopping the bleed with a tourniquet, gauze. You learn how to do needle decompression of the chest for pneumos, surgical airways, 
all Gunshot that stuff. wounds, that oh, sort yeah. of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. so okay. if you're a medical provider of any kind, you can get into that course, and I would highly recommend it. I don't, I have no idea how much that would cost, uh, but I think it would be worth it. Uh, yeah. Going into these interesting times that we're going into, uh, having those skills would be very good. So that's stuff, I guess, homework for people to kind of look into mm-hmm. if they're interested in medical preparation. So that's that's my spiel. And then, yeah, so the the listenership can pre-prepare and then we'll do a standalone episode where we deep dive on it. Okay, cool. It sounds like it's Dr. Beep's guide to how to become an 18 Delta without joining the military. Yep. <laughs> you can do it from your couch. These guys, these guys aren't so special. Uh, oh, wait, no, wait, Dr. Beep. Uh, what am I thinking? Uh, we've got, we've gone the entire episode and you haven't dropped any Arnold on us. So <laughs> you, oh, the, no. the listenership, the listenership got- will riot and revolt if, if you don't drop some Arnold on us. Well, to set the stage, talk. Well, I was, was going to say to set the stage. One of the things talking about medical preparation going forward. Um, I don't know if this goes along with with you know, it's not surgical per se, but it's more day to day kind of thing. I was just thinking along the lines of if we have say like a power outage, like national national wide grid down power outage, um, we may need to learn how to do things like build our own latrines. Mm, mm. Now, do an Arnold to that. Yeah, you and Arnold are digging your own latrine. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my goodness, that you do here. Uh, let let me think about it. Uh, dig the latrine. We got build a place to poop. Uh, I don't know. It's not very good. I'll, I'll work it on it. It was worth the wait. Build, uh, build a place to poop. <laughs> It's a great, that's a great thing to, to think about, though. That's very true. And I, I think the Boy Scout handbook even will yeah. have some very valuable stuff on on, on that. Um, I can just imagine the average suburban person, when, when the lights go out, they're out in their backyard with a shovel, and they end up in their, like, irrigation heads, and there's water <laughs> shooting everywhere, and they're trying to, trying to relieve themselves out there in the dark, and it's just... It could get really hilarious. It really for all could. Of us. Oh man! If you did it just right, it could be like a bidet. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh dear. No, I've definitely thought about getting an, a Harbor Freight auger, something that's like eight, six, eight inches wide, something that can go down oh, yeah. three feet. No, that's that's Whoa. what you want to do. <laughs> that's hardcore. <laughs> that's only if you've had Indian foods, I guess. <laughs> You know, you got to make sure you cover that thing. You don't want to be walking around in the dark. That's right. That's right. <laughs> then you'll have a compound fracture, broken in, leg. In, in your latrine. In your with latrine. No, and you can't go to the hospital. Oh, gosh. Oh, oh. oh it's good to laugh. It's good to laugh. Right. This is a pretty right. dark episode. So. Oh, man. I knew if Arnold showed up that everything would lighten up real quick. Oh, my so. goodness. <laughs> Uh, and, and super nerd, it's obvious what the what the cold open of this episode is. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> All right, super nerd, what do you think? I think Nurse Claire has to uh, save us from the uh, toxic masculinity here, and oh my as well before we go to wrap up. <laughs> Well, kids, it looks like we're at about an hour and a half. Should we should we wrap this bad boy up? Unless uh, unless Nurse Claire has anything to add, I think I've 
gotten plenty off my chest tonight. Okay, mm-hmm. Nurse Claire, are you good? Well, Is I, the catharsis there? Well, I mean, I think that doing a whole episode on medical preparedness is a fantastic idea and sounds All like right. fun um mm-hmm. i just i think people even while they're waiting for that to come from us they still should be trying to network as much as possible because um we could find ourselves in a dire situation in i don't know a month or three weeks i have no idea what's yeah. coming down the pike it might be six months until things really go south but i don't think so um so and if you are a medical person out there and you've got the time and money, maybe invest in a wilderness medicine course in addition mm-hmm. to the things that Dr. Beep was talking about so you can actually learn how to provide medical care and not have the technological support of some of the supplies that say you would if you were, I don't know, in the back of an ambulance or in a, in a military type situation. Yeah, but um, yeah, sounds like fun. I'll, All right, I'd love to help out with that. All right, it's a date, so you kids start uh, drawing up your outlines, and we'll get her done here sooner rather than later because it's it's pretty urgent. <laughs> yeah, outstanding. Well, and to the point of the um, the the medical guide, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. There's um, a dude who goes by the name on on YouTube of the gray bearded green beret, and he's got courses that he sells, and one of them is all about. Uh, bleed stopping, suturing, and uh, wilderness first aid. And may, maybe it'll be worthwhile to uh, maybe put a link in this one as well, but also save that oh, link yeah. for the next one too. It can't hurt. Get the information out. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Shall we wrap her up, Super Nerd? Yeah, let's go, let's go for it. The All email right. address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or ideas for wilderness medical care or end times medical care as the case may be the email address is podcast at barnhart.biz and expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors and at least one mass every single day is offered for all the benefactors plus one traditional catholic requiem mass every week for everybody who died during the previous week and i want to make a special mention uh somebody we mentioned uh, on or i mentioned on twitter and i, I don't know if ann blogged about uh, this guy or not um I, I never, I don't think I knew this guy particularly, but I knew his family, a guy named Patrick, who was a 38 year old who died in the last week. He was a father of seven, um, seven kids under the age of 10. Um, yeah. he died this last week. He had, he had uh, a number of, of, um, uh, complicating factors going along with it. Although he did die of pneumonia from, from COVID. Um, he definitely is included in the intentions of everyone who died in the last week. And, but, but uh, think about the fact that everyone who's dying right now, um, and, and the fact that that a lot of a lot of the news is not not being uh, expressed right now about why people are dying. It's it. A lot of people. Are, I, think, I think this is one of the questions I asked earlier on, on our chat group: is are, are the overall numbers of deaths from all causes going up or down? Whether or not they are, uh, remember that all these people are getting a, a traditional Catholic requiem mass set for them every single week. But we need to pray for the priests. Uh, yeah. They are systematically being taken out um, for one reason or another. And without these priests, we don't have the requiems. We don't have the masses or benefactors. We don't have the sacraments for our own needs when we need them. So definitely remember them in your prayers as well. And um, call on the on our, our patron for the podcast, St. Tiny Princess, to help the priests, to help the, uh, the folks who are in their last agonies, who are going to be covered by those requiem masses before long. 
ask her to intercede, she will do it. Absolutely. Put yeah. that young lady to work. Yes, absolutely. Um, the Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. This is a value for value podcast. Uh, we put some work into it here and ask that if you got some value out of it, you return some value. Um, that got a little more complicated <laughs> since the last time we did a normal wrap up. Uh, I, I do want to recognize uh, people who gave uh, a donation via PayPal while that was still an option. Uh, so David, Lowe, PMJ, and and Brendan. Let's go, Brendan. Um, <laughs> the problem was that as of, I forget what day this was now, it's like two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I got an, an email from PayPal saying, we've determined that you can't use PayPal anymore. Uh-huh. And until then, all the money in your account is is being withheld for up to six months. So... That's Isn't fun. that adorable? Yeah. 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 Par for the course. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised at this point. And, no. and uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you would you probably remember that uh, I had a PayPal account problem before. But that's because I literally set the PayPal account up under the name Super Nerd as the first name and Media as the last name. <laughs> and enough uh, between the sales of DVDs and donations, enough money came in that PayPal said, hey, we can't generate a valid 1099K with this. And so they closed the account. But in this case, I had it all set up correctly, and they froze it anyway. Oh, no, you were ideologically purged. No question. I no question I think at all. so, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, there, were, there were connections between my account and, and what Ann does. So, yeah, I, I think there was a definite uh, issue there. The point being is that PayPal is no longer an option. That's, that's shut down. And I do thank everyone who, who uh, contributed through there in the past, but – that's dead. I'm not even going to try to go for it again. No. Uh, nope. But I would do want to recognize the rest of the donors, uh, Kenneth, Pamela, and I'm calling this one the accidentally anonymous donor. Um, it's somebody who sent a donation in using bank bill pay. You know, you can sign up. You can go onto your bank's oh, website yeah. and cut a check. Yeah. And I, I wrote the deposit slip and 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 uh, submit and put that into the bank. And then I realized, oh, crud, I never wrote down their name. I don't know who this was. So uh, if you wanted your name mentioned, just email me and I'll, I'll mention that on the next show. Uh, <laughs> if not, then no problem. Um, Bitcoin, nobody this time. And I'll have to get back to this at a future podcast. But uh, I'm definitely swinging back around toward using Bitcoin as, as a fungible asset. Not something to hold to f- because I expect that to go up in value. But I've been doing more purchasing where I'll, I'll take money and convert it to Bitcoin and buy something simply because what I'm buying is, is convenient to do it that way. And I'm not talking about um, pharmaceuticals overseas. I'm talking about just domain names or computer parts or things like that. It's, there's a lot of utility there. We'll talk about that another time. Okay. The last way to donate at the moment is via Amazon. Uh, you can send an Amazon gift card. And I want to thank Carol and Carol, which is actually the same person. I'm saying her name twice because she donated twice. So thank you twice. Very nice. And that wraps up that part and i'll turn it over to you for matthew 1720 matthew 1720 keep it up guys keep praying keep fasting um fast twice a week if you can and pray obviously every day for our fourfold intention the matthew 1720 intention that bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and that the whole thing be nullified that pope benedict ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living pope since april of 2005 that bergoglio repent revert to Catholicism, die in the, in the state of grace in the fullness of time, not rooting for anybody's death, and, and God knows that Bergoglio needs as much time as possible 
to repent and do penance for what he has done and to revert and to learn the Catholic faith and that Bergoglio someday achieve the beatific vision. And finally, the fourth intention is that Pope Benedict repent of anything that he might need to repent of, that he die in the state of grace in the fullness of time, and that he someday achieves the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. Our Lady of Copacabana, pray for us. Indeed. And on behalf of Nurse Claire and Dr. Beep, who is headed for the Chaba, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. It's absolutely happening. It's absolutely happening.